Amen. You may be seated. Tonight's message is entitled Sabbath Conflicts or Sunday Conflicts or Sanctuary Conflicts. My brothers and sisters, one of the things we need to understand is that conflict is inevitable. Let me say that again. Conflict is inevitable. Conflict is a part of living. It is a part of life. And But the ability to actually navigate conflict in an effective and productive way is, is a make or break to the health, the strength, and performance of any institution, any relationship. Let me say that again. The ability to navigate conflict in an effective, productive way is a make or break to the health, to the strength, to the performance of any institution or relationship. And one of the biggest myths that most of us have when it comes to conflict is that there shouldn't be any conflict in the house of God. We have a perfect view of the church that we develop. We think because we are the people of God that there shouldn't be any conflict, any disagreement, that everything ought to roll smoothly, everything should be perfect, but that is not the case. That is not the case simply because we are sinners who have been called out of the world into the family of God. We are what the old preacher used to say, we are saints with some problems. The old preacher used to say that a lot. Anybody remember him? The old preacher say that we are saints with some problems. We have been born into sin, shaped in iniquity. Um, because of sin, the conflict you will have with you always. Let me say that again. Because of sin, conflict you will have with you always. Simply because Satan is always in conflict with God. Let me say that again. Satan is always in conflict with God. And you've heard me say this many times. What better place to come and to be in conflict with God than in the congregation of God? Are y'all in here with me tonight? Um, so this is the place where he comes most of all to sow conflict between uh, us and him. One of the things we need to understand that is you cannot ignore conflict. Amen. Say that with me. You cannot ignore conflict. Black folk are notorious for being conflict, for, for ignoring conflict. We are notorious. We are taught a lot of times in our families to, to, to push things up under the rug. Uh, not to ruffle any feathers. And one of the reasons is because um, during slavery days and during the days of Jim Crow and during the days of slavery, we as black people had to always suppress our emotions. We, were not, we, we did not have the right to express ourselves. We did not have the right to say no. We did not have the right to, uh, to, to, to be in conflict with, with the uh, slave owners unless we wanted to be whipped, killed, or just abused. And so as a result, we fail to realize that these different uh, traumas 
or, or, or the effects of the traumas that we experience in slavery is handed down from generation to generation to generation. And so we have been taught how to suck it up. You know, so what you don't like you? Suck it up. So what they don't like you? Suck it up. You ain't got you ain't got to kiss somebody behind. Suck it up. Amen. How many have heard that in your family? Everybody know be raising their hand. Well, I was heard that. If you haven't heard it in your family, you heard it in somebody else's family. Suck it up, man. You ain't got to you you ain't got to put up with that. Well, well, yeah, and no. You don't have to put up with that. God has called us as children of God to be reconcilers. Are y'all in here with me? God has called us to be reconcilers. We gotta learn how to reconcile because that's who we are. See how how God that God was angry with us. He was angry with us. He was upset with us because of sin. But he sent forth his son to reconcile us back to him. Y'all hear me tonight? And so if God can send forth his son to reconcile us back to him, where we can be back in fellowship and relationship with him, what about us? We should never leave a we should never leave a conflict unresolved. Are y'all in here with me? And so, and so we gotta understand that conflict, uh, conflict you will have with you always. And so ignoring conflict doesn't make it go away. Because you still walk around the house, you still walk around the house with your lips poked out, you still walk around the house pouting. Amen. And you still walk around your job pouting, you still walk around your family members. Doing Christmas time and Thanksgiving time, y'all just y'all just uh, tolerate each other, but you haven't really reconciled. I don't know about y'all. I don't want to be in situations like that. I cannot stand to be in situations with someone who who I know I got an issue with. That's why I try to get issues right. Amen. Somebody, if you don't resolve conflict, if you don't resolve misunderstandings, that misunderstanding. And that unresolved conflict will cause you to become bitter. It will cause you to become resentful. Are y'all in here with me? It will cause you to develop hate for your brothers and sisters. It will cause you to just become wicked and sinful. And you will, and, and then another thing, in the house of God, it will make you where you don't want to serve God. And you don't want to serve his people. So conflict will come. It's inevitable. You can't shout it out. You can't shout it out, amen. So you can't shout it out. No, you can't. You can't shout over it. You can't. You can't silently wish it, wish that it will end, and and declare it to be over when it's not. Well, I'm done with this. You done? The other person's not done. Are y'all here with me? And if the other person is not done, and you done, it's not done. Let me tell you. Let, let me tell you this. Do you not think? Uh, 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 Christ knew that he would have conflict. I'm going somewhere. Don't hang up on me. Christ knew that he would have conflict in every, everywhere he went. We need to understand that it is inevitable at times to have conflict. But at the same time, you need to learn how to deal with the conflict. Are y'all here with me? So as we look at tonight's text, we see 
that in this text that Christ has to deal with another conflict on the Sabbath day. On the Sabbath day. See, Jesus was the, was the ultimate example of how to handle conflict. He was the ultimate example. If you want to know how to handle conflict, study the life of Christ. There are at least three separate occasions where he was involuntarily, involuntarily involved in a conflict on the Sabbath day. Sometimes you're not, sometimes you're not the culprit and you are involuntarily involved in conflicts. And when you are involuntarily involved in conflicts, you have to know how to get out of those situations without a bunch of anger and resentment, without leaving, leaving without having any bitterness or resentment. So the same bitter spirit of hostility toward Jesus can be seen in all three occasions. The same bitter spirit of hostility toward Jesus can be seen in each of them. You can go to John chapter 5, verse 15 through 16. That he is in Jerusalem. And that an outright persecution that broke out because the Lord had not only healed the man at the pool of Bethesda, but he also told the man to take up his bed and walk in, in defiance of strict man-made rabbinical uh, Sabbath restrictions. Then also in Galilee, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 1 through 15, we studied this. In Galilee, the opposition began because Jesus' disciples were caught plucking and eating corn on the Sabbath day. Y'all remember us preaching and teaching about that? It came to a head when the Lord deliberately went into a synagogue on the Sabbath and openly healed the man with a withered hand, knowing full well about what that was made to kill him, but he stayed focused on the task that God had given him. And child of God, whenever you stay focused on the task that God has given you, you don't have to worry about nobody plotting to kill you, nobody plotting to kill your reputation, nobody plotting to kill you physically. If you stay focused, I am a living witness that God will protect and take care of you. Are you in here with me tonight? Then in the end, no violence was attempted on the other hand. And the, com and, and, and the common people around did not dare to take his side. And then here in our text tonight, we have another Sabbath conflict. We have another worship day conflict. This is the day of worship. Are y'all here with me? This time it's in Perea. For the text said, Behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bound together and could in no wise lift herself up. So look with me, verses 10 through 13, and we, as we look at the reason for the confrontation. Let me read verses 10 through 13 again. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on what day? Yeah. On what day? Yeah. Which is the day of what? Worship. The day of worship. And the whole that was in the midst of a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over, could not fully straighten herself. And when Jesus saw her, he 
he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are free from your disability. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she did what? Glorified God. Listen, child of God, this woman had been crippled for 18 years. Somebody said 18 years. But yet she was still faithful to the synagogue to worship God week after week. Think about this. This woman had been crippled for 18 years, but yet she was still faithful to the synagogue to worship God week after week. And I'm sure, I'm almost positive, this woman had prayed and asked God for him. And yet she was not delivered. Did we not talk about that on yesterday? How Jesus ignored this Phoenician woman for a period of time? This woman as well showed up to worship service Sunday, uh, 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 Saturday, after Saturday, Sabbath, after Sabbath. She showed up, she prayed, she asked God for help, but yet she was not delivered. So however God's seeming unconcerned that I called her to become bitter or resentful. God's unseen, God's seeming unconcerned did not cause her to become bitter or resentful. How many people have, have, have came into contact with people who you know been in the house of God for a long time, but yet time something happened in their life, some problem, some predicament, some misunderstanding, some sickness, some struggle that they are going through, I have called them to become bitter or resentful toward God and his people. But there she was in the synagogue. Say she was in the synagogue. She was in the church. Come on, say that with me. She was in the church. She was in worship. She was in over, but she was in worship. She was in pain, but she was in worship. She was being talked about, but she was in worship. People were scandalizing her name, but she was in worship. You need to understand that the customs of the Jews cause people to be irate and belligerent toward those who were stricken with sicknesses and infirmities. Because they believed that it was, it was a result of some, of some sin that had been committed. And so, and so there were many times where people were considered unclean. They were considered uh, uh, untouchable. They couldn't be in the midst of the congregation, in the midst of the people. You remember the woman with the issue of love, right? She had been hemorrhaging for 12 long years. And finally she come to where Jesus was. She had been to the church, had been to doctors, had been to somebody else she could think of. And the women around her uh, push her away, the people push her away. But Christ said, Come unto me, all ye that are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And she was in the synagogue, in spite of her physical problems. This woman went to the synagogue to worship. I need you to get this in spite of her physical problems. This woman went to the synagogue to what? Worship. She went to do what? Worship. Come on, 
said that again. I need you to, I need everybody to get this. She went where? She went to do what? Your ultimate purpose of coming through those doors ought to be to do what? Worship. Worship. If your mind is on worshiping God, yes, Satan cannot come in yes, sir. and take your mind away from that. Do I have a witness in here? Now, think about the plethora of blessings we 
think about how we think about worship. The Jews valued worship. The Hebrew people valued worship. Our ancestors valued worship. You know what got the slaves? The slaves through rough times? Worship. When they couldn't do nothing else, they could at least do what? Worship. If you really want to get through the times that you're going through, soak yourself in the worshiping of God and in the service of God. She said, look, I'm not going to let this condition stop me from going to worship. I'm not going to skip worship. But notice her blessing for going to worship because of her dedication to worship, she experienced a great blessing in which was her physical healing. Look at the neighbor and say, neighbor, worship is beneficial. See, when you miss worship, you might miss a great blessing. That's <laughs> why so every time you get an opportunity, you ought to be in worship. You ought to be in worship. Study the life of the Hebrew. Study the life of the Israelite. They were constantly in worship together. The enemy don't want us to be together because he knows that there is power when the congregation comes together. He understands the power that happens. He understands how we can encourage each other when nobody else can encourage us. He understands that the prayers of the righteous accomplishes much more than the prayers of one. If one person's prayer can break, can, 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 can send 10,000 angels or 5,000 angels to fight, what do you think? 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40? Yes, sir. Can do when we are together. We talk about sickness over here, sickness over there, problem over here, problem over there. But the answer to all that it is, if my people which are called by name, when we walk on humble themselves, turn from the wicked ways, see my face, turn from the wicked ways and pray. Then will I what? Heal the land. That is the answer to our issues, to our problems. The old idiom, the old cliche, family that prays together, will do what? Stay together. That ain't Bible, but it show you it's true. Hmm? You remember in the book of Acts when Peter was in jail? The Bible says that the church went straight into prayer. And while they were yet praying, people come knocking on the door. Yes, Look Little girl by the name of Old Lord to answer the door. They moved at the door, Peter, girl, all you all stop praying. You know we're in there praying for Peter. Peter is in jail. Close the door. Close the door. Peter knock me in. Girl, if you don't open up this door, let me in. Roll the who's at the door, Peter. They turn around and look at the door and ask me. God had already 
healing upon this woman who was dead. Look at verse 12. When Jesus saw her, say when he saw her. When Jesus saw her. My brothers and sisters, Christ was aware of the woman's presence in the synagogue. He was also aware of her condition. When Jesus saw her, listen, Christ is aware of everyone who comes into his presence. He is aware of you and he is aware of your condition. The condition that you are in. Sometimes because of his power, of his omnipresence and, and, and his omniscience, we don't even have to say anything to him. All we have to do is show up. Y'all ain't catching this. All we have to do is be in the right place at the right time. Oh, I wish I had somebody. Sometimes, sometimes you ain't even got to pray. See, sometimes if you just show up, because there are times when you get weary of praying, and you have sitting up enough temper until if you just show up this Sunday, he said, you ain't got to say a word because I see you. And not only do I see you, I know what you're going through. Come here, God. <laughs> Come here, brother. Come here, son. The text says that the Lord, the Lord called her to him. Called her to him. Amen? There was a sudden stir that swept the synagogue. He's on the end. He's in church. He's in church. And he's in church. He's in worship. And he's standing in the front and he called her to him. And there was a sudden stir that swept the synagogue. And maybe, just maybe, he had forgotten that he was the Sabbath again. <laughs> See, when, you, when you're doing God's will, you don't have to do God's will only on Saturdays, on Sundays. There's no special day for you to do God's will. When you're doing God's will, you don't even have a recollection of what day it is. You're just doing the will of God. You don't have a witness in here. See, when you're, when you're more caught up in religiosity, you're more caught up in rituals, you can always know when somebody is out there and what they are But sometimes when you're doing the will of God, and you're caught up in that will, you start, 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 um, yeah, start scaling that floor. No, later. Yeah. Good night. He watched the woman make her painful way from her place at the back of the building to where, where he stood. He calls her up and says, come here. Come to me. Can you see him calling? Say, I see you back there. Come here. So she walks from the back because you know she didn't sit up in the front because she didn't want to be embarrassed. So she's sitting in the back. And as she's sitting in the back, and when you sometimes when you sit in the back of worship, you can hear and see everything that's going on. Thank God she didn't get discouraged. Because sometimes we as church folk can be wicked as all get out. Do I have a witness in here? Y'all ain't got to say amen. 
We can be as wicked as all get out, man. But thank God that she sat in that back and she heard people running off at the mile that she didn't let that stop. But she kept on doing what? She kept pushing. She kept showing up. All you got to do is show up. God will do the rest. God, I feel this thing tonight. I'm telling y'all. All you got to do is show up. God will do the rest when you show up. Look at verse 12 to 13. He says, Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. She ain't even asking for anything. She didn't even ask you for anything. Let me tell you something. That is, that, that, that is how the favor of God works. When you are sincere, when you are faithful to God, there are some things you ain't even got to ask God for. Yes, because He knows what you need, He'll just do it for you. Jesus. And immediately she was made what? Straight. She was made straight. Jesus says, Loose her. Thou art loose from thine infirmity. The word loose is the Greek word luo. It's actually, this word here is apoluo. And it is used of the untying of a shoe, the loosening of a tethered animal, when you untie an animal. And the freeing of in Revelation. It is also used in Revelation 9 and 14 of the freeing of four falling angels from their incarceration. And then only here it is used in connection with the disease. Only here it is used in connection with the disease. Likely because demon activity was involved in her condition. And so my brothers and sisters, he says, loose, that means untie her. Untie her. Oh, God, I need you to catch this. Untie her. Yes, sir. So, so whatever had her bound, Jesus spoke a word and said, untie her, free her, and let her go. Yes, My brothers and sisters, there are things in your life that you've got to say, Lord, free me from this. It is holding me in bondage. It is holding me. It is keeping me from being a healthy uh, 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 person physically. It is keeping me from being a healthy person spiritually. It is keeping me from having healthy relationships. It is keeping me from, from keeping jobs. Lord, loose me of this. Untie me. Free me from this. There are some stuff that a lot of y'all are carrying around that you need to be freed from. Amen, somebody. You need to say, Lord, free me from this. Untie me from this. It is holding you back in relationship. It is holding you back in your career. It is holding you back in your service to the Lord. It has you in bondage. And you got to say, loose and let me go. Do I have a witness in here? And so, that was a word, that was a touch. And the woman was made well. A word, a touch. And she was made well in that order. The text says she was made straight. And this word straight means the setting up of a building or the restoration of a ruin. In essence, Christ restored her and built her up again. He restored her. Restored is a medical term. It's a medical term that is used to speak of reset joints or bones. 
Sometimes they have to, you heard them say they have to break up on them to reset it. See, the breaking part is the hard part. The bit over part is the hard part. The pain is in the breaking. The pain is in the bit. You ever seen folk walk around like this with osteoporosis? With severe osteoporosis? And they walk like this and they can't get up. This is that woman. This is how she walked around for 18 years. She walked around like that. Can you imagine the pain in her lower back? My lower back is hurting now. Just from doing this. So can you imagine the pain that she was in for 18 years but she kept walking to the church? God. Hmm. And people talking and saying, what does she do? What she done did wrong? Because you know how church folks are. They, they think you done something wrong. You ain't did nothing wrong. Sickness just happens sometimes. Are you with me? Because the enemy wants to stop you in your track. And he's trying other things, but that didn't work. So he said, well, I crippled you. And put a stop to you. But she said, you can't stop me. You can't stop me. And somebody said, you can't stop me. You can't stop me. You can't stop me. That's the mindset that you got to have. She's been over. Can you imagine the pain? The pain is in the bending over. The pain is in the breaking. That is the pain. If you can, if you can, if, 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 if you can stand the pain of being broken when he restores you and straightens you up. See the word to straighten. To straighten, it, it, it means to build a building up straight. You know, you ever seen a house, skyscrapers built up? That's what that word means. It's, 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 it's a carpenter's term. It means to straighten, it means to build up. Where you was torn down, now you have been what? Built up. See that area where you were where you were bent at, that area in your life where, where you really knew you needed help and that was really your weakness. So what he did, he straightened her up, he restored her, he built her up. When God builds you up, I heard when the scripture said he himself, except God built the house. <laughs> Y'all been sleeping on me, I'm almost done. Except the Lord build the house. They that labor, labor in what? In vain. Can't nobody build you up like God. Can't no man build you up like God. Can't no woman build you up like God. Can't no job build you up like God. Can't no relationship build you up like God. Can't no connection build you up like God. Can't no good looks build you up like God. Can't nobody build you up and straighten you up and straighten you out like but you got to be in the right place at the right time. There are Mondays when I don't want to stay in that day and I hit the snooze. I'm taking a nap. I hit the snooze. But I keep hitting it until 6.30. Sometimes I keep hitting it until 6.40. Sometimes I keep hitting it until 6.45. But I got to get up. Because there's a word waiting for me. There's a breakthrough waiting for me. Let me finish this point. After Christ restored her, notice her reaction. What did she do? 
What does she do? Glorify God. Glorify God. Glorify God. Glorify God. Glorify means to glorify. Theos is God. She glorified God. Brothers and sisters, when the crooked are made straight, they will glorify God. You see, the main purpose of the healing of this woman was to glorify God. The main purpose of your healing is to glorify God. The main purpose of your deliverance is to glorify God. The main purpose of your salvation is to glorify God. When people get saved, they glorify God. When people are, when, when Christ enters our life, we glorify God. It is evident that we are living in a crooked nation and world. I'm closing. It's evident. Let me say it again. That we are living in a crooked nation and world. And Christ is the only one who can straighten it out. For I heard the prophet Isaiah when he said, Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked places shall be made straight, and the rock places shall be made plain. And guess what? And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. What is your correct response when God straightens you up? What is your what is the correct response when God delivers you, when God saves you, when God heals you? It is to do what? It is to do what? It is to do what? Glorify. This right here, this incident, and we're, we're finishing next week. This situation right here, this is the reason for the conflict. Oh God, you don't see what I, you don't see. You don't see. This right here is the reason for the conflict. This is the reason for the conflict on the Sabbath. Because Jesus healed his woman on the Sabbath. Any questions? Any comments for tonight's lesson?